Amen. Please take your seats. Amen. If you've got your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. I'm going to do a reading for you from there. John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there was set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who'd drawn the water knew, The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, his mother and brothers and disciples And they did not stay there many days. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold the oxen and the sheep and the doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables." And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. The reason I read those two incidents is this is John recording the beginning of Jesus' ministry in his gospel. It's amazing because we have the first two signs. The first sign, and John's gospel speaks about signs and calls miracles signs. Do you know, Jesus didn't just do miracles for miracles' sake or simply to meet people's need. We're going to see he met a wedding banquet's need here. And he meets people's needs in healing and miracles. But they're not just to meet people's needs, as wonderful as that is. But Jesus' miracles, and his miracles that he does today by the Holy Spirit, these miracles are also signs. They, they are sermons in miracle form. They speak to us about the nature of God, and the character of God, and the love of God. And so it's amazing to think that Jesus' first miracle, his first sign, was to turn water into wine. And the Christian church has been trying to turn wine back into water ever since. And we'll come to that. But then the second sign is also quite astonishing. In fact, 
the two signs together, and I read them together, are amazing when you think about them. Because you've got Jesus at a party. He's there at a party. I see the twins there. They had their birthday party on Friday night. And it was probably a party like that. Happy birthday to you both. Let's applaud them. And here's Jesus at a party. And uh, they run out of alcohol. That's the sign. And then the next sign, Jesus is in the temple, and he has made a, a whip, and he is kicking everybody out, and he is purging the temple, and he is throwing out the animals, and he is overturning the temples, and, uh, and all the disciples can think of is the word that says, zeal, for your house has eaten me up. It's like, on the one hand, we've got Jesus, and you could criticize him, if you were against him, and they did criticize him. You could, if you were a Pharisee or a non-believer, you could criticize Jesus and say, look at him, he uses his miracle power to, to increase alcohol when the bar runs out. What a wine-bibber. And they, thought, they said, you know, John the Baptist came, Jesus said, and you didn't like him because he had locusts and honey and told you to repent and change your ways. And the Son of Man comes eating and drinking, and you don't like him either. It doesn't look like you're like anybody from God. So they would criticize Jesus using his miracle power to open up the bar again. But then the next sign, it's almost the opposite, isn't it? There he is. He's like some zealous, fundamentalist Christian. And he walks into the temple and he says, what is this doing in God's house? And he brings judgment and he kicks people out, even using physical force. And he turns things over. And, he, and he's furious. And he says, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Wow, he was a bit different at the party yesterday, wasn't he? Has he got a hangover? What's going on here? Good Jesus, bad Jesus, happy Jesus, sad Jesus, party Jesus, zealous Jesus. I was thinking about these passages. But I think what we find in these passages at, at the beginning of the Gospel of John, really, it's the beginning. We've had the prologue, the introduction in chapter 1 and, and the introduction to Jesus. But here in chapter 2 on the third day, this is where we really begin to see Jesus moving with the first of his signs, the first one that he ever did. And I think that, that John understood the power of these two signs placed together. That to understand Jesus and the kingdom of God, to understand Holy Spirit living, we need to understand both sides of the coin or both parts of this, uh, of this passage that I read to you. You see, you can fall into different errors and, and you can fall into legalism and, and being over the top and a joyless type of Christianity. Have you ever met a joyless Christian? I, I thought that's all Christians were. Uh, I mean, when I first came to KT, I'd met joyful Christians before then. But when I first came to KT, I just couldn't believe the joy and the happiness that, that was here, you know. Um, but you can, be, you can be zealous. You can be, you know, a religious zealot. Or you can go the other way and what people say, a carnal Christian. You know, having your birthday party in a club and things like that. You know, what were you doing, twins? You know, all these types of things. 
And so, when you look at your life, which, were you, which are you more like? Which are you more likely to follow, fall into the error of, of being a party pooper or of perhaps being just a little bit too much of a party person? You see what I'm saying? But when we look at Jesus here, of course, he was perfect and sinless in every way. Every, there was no, there's no hint, really, of Jesus being, you know, carnal. God forbid. And there's also no hint of him being religious or legalistic or judgmental, as in the phrase judgmentalism, you know, a a bad judgmentalism. And so here in these two passages, which are really one brought together, I mean, there's there's, there's just a, a, a very slim or very short period between this story of the wedding and then the story of the cleansing of the temple. And I think that what we, what we need to look for in, in genuine Christianity and also in genuine revival is we need to see both of these aspects of Jesus manifest in the church. Both of them. And we think of great outpourings of the Spirit and great revivals uh, that had these elements. I mean, we think of the Father's blessing the Toronto blessing and the Father's blessing with John and Carol Arnott that is still going so powerfully today and the joy that comes on people and and people just just losing all sense of sense because they're so in the Spirit and God doing such a crazy, amazing pouring out of of the Spirit on their lives. All all holy mayhem seems to be taking place, but people are getting saved and healed and filled and changed and and transformed. And and I remember that that move, and that move is going strong. And I was thinking earlier about that powerful move in Pensacola, Florida. Anybody remember or heard of that? Uh, Where we had um, Steve Hill, the evangelist, and and Mike Brown, the teacher, and and, uh, uh, the, the preaching of repentance and holiness, and the fire of God, and the greatness of God. And people, night by night, many of them were Christians that that weren't anywhere with God, flowing to the front, having a touch of God's zeal, of God's holiness, and turning from carnality to follow God. It It was the burning, it was the zeal, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Now, here in this passage... What I'm saying is, is that we should be open to both of these aspects in our lives. It would be terrible if you only reflected the Jesus who cleansed the temple. I think that that would be, if that was you or that was your main focus when you spoke about the revival message or or your revival ministry. If all you had was the cleansing of the temple... I think that would be a shame. I think you would be missing a lot about what the kingdom of God is. Yes, you pushed the message and everything like that. But if all we did was have a Christianity or a revival message that was Jesus cleansing the temple, we could only go so far. And in the end, I think that if we only preached that message and only ministered in that way and only called people to a powerful cleansing that in the end, there would, we would lose the spirit in the end and that we would create people that may have started in the spirit through a powerful cleansing and holiness move of, of, of God in their lives. But after a while, without the joy or the freedom or the liberty, that will turn into legalism. And we have found in the history of revivals and moves 
that moves of power and moves of holiness that are not also joined with moves of freedom, liberty, joy, that those moves of holiness do a great work, but after a while, they always end up in legalism. I think about Pentecostalism, of which we are part, and the early Pentecostals, and, and those that preached a powerful message of the Spirit's fire in your heart, the cleansing, the repenting, the, the seeking God, the, the, the becoming a clean temple for the Holy Spirit. And during the initial years, that was very, very powerful. But what happened was, because there wasn't the, also the wedding that was going on, then within a short while or a long while, different churches or new generations that were brought up onto that, it became legalism. And it was now dependent on how, you know, how long or short your dress was, what type of hat you wore, what type of Bible you read. And, and it had become cold. It had become cold. But also, if we think about the wedding of Cana and the party and the joy and the fun, well, sometimes, and we've had those, we've had people that are grace preachers. Well, every preacher should be a grace preacher. But we've had what people call hyper-grace. Well, I want, if there's hyper-grace, I want it. I want everything. But what they mean by that is, is preachers that actually don't preach grace responsibly. That actually, you know, it's the type of, of preacher that, that preaches about the grace of God and actually doesn't also preach about the holiness of God. You know, I've, I know people who, who, are, who call themselves grace preachers, but they're, they're not balanced. They're not balanced because they, 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 they don't realize that God wants obedience from the heart, but God wants obedience. God wants a holy people. God wants a pure bride. That's what God wants. And so these preachers, they, they talk about freedom, or these Christians, they talk about freedom, and basically what they mean is freedom to do whatever they want. Freedom to do whatever they want. But freedom is never about doing what you want. Freedom is about being free from sin. That's what freedom is. True freedom is free to sin. We were saved from sin, not saved to sin. And so if you get too over in this, in this in the sort of indulgence of grace without understanding what you're being saved from, you do end up with some Christians that, that act as if they're saved to sin. Oh, it doesn't matter if I sin, I'll still go to heaven. True, you will still go to heaven. And they end up in the sort of Corinthian backsliding where the Corinthians were getting involved in all types of ridiculous sins and, and, and were saying, well, we're going to heaven anyway. And Paul had to deal with them. But the Galatians, they were going the opposite way, weren't they? They, they, were like, they were going, we must cleanse the temple, we must obey the laws, we must obey the rules, we must clean up our act. They were both going in the wrong direction. But here, in this wonderful passage, we see that we need both. It's not one or the other, it's both, and they're balanced. And you know what? It wasn't Jesus on a good day, we caught him at a wedding, on a good day, have some wine, I'm in a good mood. And then Jesus went to the temple on a bad day. He was in a bad mood, so he started kicking people around and getting because he was in a bad mood. No, it wasn't Jesus, good mood, Jesus, bad mood, good Jesus, bad Jesus, party Jesus, holy Jesus. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. It was as much Jesus at the wedding as it was Jesus in the temple. And this wasn't, you know, a schizophrenic type. type. This, this, this was the Lord 
And Jesus was as much the Lord at the wedding when he produced the wine as he was in the temple. And I believe that God is wanting us in our lives. He's wanting you in your lives. Yes, to be the soul of the party and the life of the party, but also to be zealous for God. You can be both. It's healthy to be both. You don't want to be one or the other. And if you've ever slipped into one or the other imbalance, you know that in the end, it doesn't cause you a blessing. In the end, it just causes you destruction. And so this first thing we see in the wedding is so wonderful because this is what God wants. He wants to pour out his revival with joy, manifestations. I'm believing God that in these evenings that God will begin to pour out his spirit in revival power. That's what I'm believing. When Roberts comes back in a month's time, I'm believing that, that what's, and, I'm, and I believe that this is a prophetic message tonight that, that is, is going to sort of clear the way for what God wants to do on these evenings. So this is more of a sort of prophetic uh, flow and a prophetic preparation than the actual um, um, outcome of it that's going to happen. And we need joy. And we need the party of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we need grace and we need freedom and liberty. And I loved it a few Sundays ago when Roberts was ministering and the worship team were doing so good on these evenings and, and there was just the spirit of joy. Roberts came up and the joy was there and people were dancing and you don't have to dance but people wanted to dance. And there was joy and there was freedom and there was liberty and, um, and that's just the beginning of what God wants to do in freedom and joy and liberty and abandonment. And at this wedding, a wedding is, is meant to be such a wonderful celebration. A celebration of marriage. And we should be celebrating that we are the bride of Christ. And every time we meet, there should be that element of wedding celebration. That element of joy. That element, and that element of, of rejoicing over love and commitment. Rejoicing. A passion, a joy, a happiness, a celebration. And an inebriation, not of alcohol, but of the Holy Spirit. You say, what do you mean inebriation of the Holy Spirit? Well, you know, the gospel is new wine. New wine. If you are enjoying the gospel and receiving the gospel and, and encountering the gospel, then the new wine is going to have effect on you. You're going to be a merry soul. Not merry with wine, but not drunk. It's like the disciples when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost in revival. The first people, first things people thought was they were drunk. We are not drunk as you suppose. For it's only, what, 10 in the morning or whatever time it was. I mean, that's early in the morning down the off license. And they thought, that's what they thought. They'd had an all-nighter. But they were saying, no, we're not drunk as you suppose. When is the last time someone supposed you drunk? Uh, not when you were drunk. <laughs> when was the last time someone supposed you drunk, but you were just filled with the Spirit? Just filled with the Spirit. I remember a f I was with a friend of mine, um, Giuseppe, who runs our Italian fellowship. 
And uh, we, were in, uh, we were on mission in Italy. And uh, for the day off, we'd gone up, uh, been taken up to this big uh, Roman Catholic church or cathedral. And, and it, was, it was a very special place because it, it, it actually had Jesus' house in the middle. Well, that's what they said, Jesus' house. And so we went to where Jesus' house was meant to have been lifted up and brought down by an angel. So we thought, we have to see this. I want to see what sort of wallpaper he had. So we went there anyway, and it was so religious, right? And everybody was kneeling. And, it was, and, and it, you couldn't, you couldn't, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't say a word. Couldn't say. And we came out of the church, and we were joking, and we were laughing, and we were happy, and we were just having, having fun. And he had, in, his, in this bottle, he had this bottle of Ribena, this plastic bottle of, of Ribena. He didn't have Ribena written on it. It was just a clear bottle. And we were laughing and laughing and laughing. And then these two nuns came by and said something in Italian. And he turned around and said something in Italian back to them. And they were like, hmm, like this. And I said, what did they say? They said it was disgusting that we were drunk. I said, what did you tell them? I said we were drunk on the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and I remember that. I remember that in Jesus' house. Oh, where, where, where did that go? Come on, I'm just having a good time. Maybe I'm drinking the new wine. Maybe it's starting to affect me already. Amen. So, you know, when was the last time someone looked at you or, or you could be accused of being drunk when in fact you were just affected by the power of the Holy Spirit? The day of Pentecost, it was wine. The first people looked, saw them as they came out with the Holy, and they went, wine, wine. They've been drinking wine. They've been at a wedding party. And here we have Jesus at a wedding, and it's all about wine. And this is a place, this is, a, I mean, the Jewish people, I don't know what they do now, but at that, at that time, well, I do know because I saw it on TV, but at that time, they, they would, a, a, a marriage would last five days. Not the actual marriage ceremony, but it'd be five days of partying. Because they loved a marriage. Because someone wants to get married or wants to go to a reception. <laughs> Amen, Marcia. So, five days of having a party. Why? Because they loved marriage and honored marriage so much that it was so celebrated. Five days. I saw on TV this amazing um, uh, documentary on um, uh, Hasidic Jews, Orthodox Jews in, uh, in London. It was amazing. And um, all these Orthodox men were there. And when they have the marriage celebrations, it's crazy, when they have the marriage celebrations, they have a curtain in the hall. And all the men celebrate together on one side. And all the women on the other side of the curtain celebrate because in, in their tradition, it's not right for there to be mixing. But all these, you know, very straight. Have you ever seen an Orthodox Jew walking in London? You know, the paragon of virtue, you know, uh, uh, walking around very smart and tidy and, re and religious and everything like that. Well, when they have their wedding, they get absolutely drunk. Even the religious of them. And I'm watching this, I'm watching, I'm watching this, this Orthodox wedding in London, and the women are separate, and the men, they're pulling out bottles of Jack Daniel. <laughs> Seriously. 
And they are going around and they're pouring it in shot glasses and they are dancing and sitting on chairs and, and, and people are falling over. And, um, and it is just the most remarkable thing I've seen on television for a long while. Orthodox Jews, have men, having a celebration and by the end of it, they all have to be carried out. <laughs> and, I th- and I thought, that's amazing, and I thought to myself, do you know what? What, what they're doing in the natural, God wants us to do in the spiritual. Why? Because when you're drunk in the spirit, it's not something you just do to have fun. But when you're drunk in the spirit, powerful things are taking place in your life. How many people can testify that something like, you're already testifying that, bang, you go down under the power of the spirit. Or the Holy Spirit just comes to you in an amazing way. You don't know what's going on. But it's good. And it changes you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Someone might say, well, on the day of Pentecost, surely they didn't have to have that. Not about shouldn't or shouldn't or wouldn't. They did. And we need to be open. Because I tell you what, we got a lot of stuff on the inside that needs freeing up. I don't know about you, but I need a good Holy Ghost joy every week. I am due a Holy Ghost dousing. I am due some new wine in my life. Aren't you? Because when you're walking in a fallen world, day by day, even if you're in the spirit to be, day by day, you get worn out by the world and, and, the, and the spiritual atmosphere of the enemy trying to pull you down. And it's so easy to lose your joy in the midst of the battle. But God says, I prepare you a table in the middle of your enemies. You don't have to wait till everything's right before you can have a revival. You don't have to wait until things are good before you can have a job. That's what the world does and worldly Christians. They're waiting for their circumstances all to line up right. And then they're going to be happy. And so they come into church. Oh, I'm so happy today. Why? Has the Holy Spirit filled you? No, no, I got a new job. My girlfriend's not going to leave me. No, 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 no. I'm happy. Then next week, what happened to you? You seem like you've got a burden. Have you got a burden to pray for the lost? No, what? I lost my job, girlfriend left me. <laughs> but God says, I prepare a table in the midst of you. I prepare a feast right where you are. You come in here and you say, I'm going through such trouble. You need blessing. You know, I'm not dictating the experience you have. And God can do things in many different ways. I, 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 it, it's just about experiencing the Holy Spirit however he wants. We don't dictate to him what happens, but we open ourselves up to him. Oh, I can think of times when, I, when the Holy Spirit has come and freed me. I remember once I was at conference with Colin, and we were sit, sitting on the front row, and John and Carol Arnott were ministering. And we had a whole bunch of young, the young assistants at the time, most of them were from Swedish, were, were from Sweden, and quite straight-laced, even in the things of the Spirit. And uh, Carol Arnott just came over to us and started praying for us. And something hit us. And next scene, I don't know whose legs were work. We were laughing on the floor. And we're laughing on the floor. And she's just tapping Colin's foot. And Colin is laughing. And I'm laughing. And it's not contrived. It is the Holy Spirit. And the Swedish um, uh, assistants were standing there. It's like call the ambulance the senior leaders have gone crazy 
But you know, when I got up, I was different. I felt, I felt free. I felt joy. I felt liberty. I was ready to get back in the fight. And God wants us to live in it. And, and, and this wedding was a celebration. And there was joy there. And remember, what Jesus did was a sign. This is not telling us to go down and get all, all get, you know, get out the vodka and all that. It's, it's not telling us to do that. But it's telling us something about Jesus. And it's telling us that when the wine ran out, that Jesus, he supplied new wine. But he didn't just like, he didn't say, okay, you've had enough, actually. Uh, we'll send down for some grape juice. That's what we'll do. We'll send Ribena. Get some of that Ribena. Because you've had enough, right? Celebration's over. You've had enough. You know, the reason you ran out was because you had too much to drink. And you're all inebriated. So no more. No more. Did he do that? No. What did he do? He took 30 gallons. Or, uh, six 30-gallon. What is six times 30? 180 gallons of water. He turned them into wine. And the master of the feast tasted this wine. And he said, this is the best wine I have ever tasted in my life. Do you know what? People in this world, they run to alcohol to deal with their fears, their pains, their miseries. They can't cope with life. They want, they want a few short hours where they can just get out of the world. You know, it's tragic when you see... Homeless people with a can of tenants extra in their hand and a whole other bunch of cans around them. And they're just drinking and they're drinking. And I know they're addicted, but what are they doing? They just want for a few short minutes in that cold night to lose themselves from the pain of reality. And, uh, and, and, here they, and this man comes and tastes the wine that Jesus gives. And he says, this is the best wine I've ever tasted in my life. The Holy Spirit brings you the best wine that you could ever taste in your life. And it's not an escape route from the world, but it's to fit you for the world. You get the joy of the Holy Spirit. You get the joy of the new wine. And you don't wake up with a hangover. You wake up with an anointing to take on the devil, overcome your circumstances, and bring the kingdom in people's lives. I mean, how, how good does that get? To party and wake up sanctified. Oh, glory to God. And the man, the man takes it and he, goes, he says, I can't believe this is amazing. And he goes to the, the bridegroom and he says, in verse 10, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, and the word there is methetes in the Greek. I studied it in the Greek because I had so much hassle from legalists who said that, that, that Jesus actually didn't produce proper wine. It was so, um, so uh, weakened. No. Methetes in the Greek means drunk. So another, and also it makes sense. The argument is this. Every man at the beginning gives you the good wine. So it's like people walk in, they're not drunk, are they? They haven't drunk. They're not inebriated. So you can't give them the vinegar stuff, can you? They'll be like, oh, that's disgusting. So when they come in, according to the New Testament, according to this, bride, this, this master of ceremonies, you give them a nice, a, a, a nice, you know, a nice glass of nice red, and it, and it, and they taste it. And go, oh, oh, that, that's that's lovely, very nice, very nice, 
And he gives them another glass. But then it says, when they start to like lose consciousness of what they're drinking, then you give them the inferior. When the guests have well drunk, you give them the inferior. Why? Because they can't. They're, they're so inebriated, they don't even know what you're giving them. Oh, yeah. Get out that cheap stuff. Get out, get out that chief Spanish stuff. <laughs> Teasing. <laughs> Teasing. Teasing. You know, and, and they don't know any different. They're just drinking. They don't know. That's what it says here in the New Testament. This is a sign. This is a sign. I'm not saying, I'm not telling you that you should go out and drink alcohol. But if you've got a problem with what I'm preaching, then maybe you need to think about where you stand. Because this is Jesus, right? And he's making a point. And he says, but you have kept the good wine till now. And so what this means is, is that there is, there is wine. My cup runs over. My cup runs over. There is the wine of the Spirit. Ephesians actually says, don't get drunk with wine. Ephesians says that. Don't get drunk with wine because it's dissipation. What does that mean? It means it's bad for you. And actually getting drunk takes the Holy Ghost from you. It doesn't. Getting drunk on alcohol is actually a human counterfeit of being filled with the Spirit. So don't get drunk with wine. But it doesn't, it doesn't say full stop. Most Pentecostals put a full stop there. Don't get drunk with wine. All right. Well, I guess my partying days are over. I guess my being free and having fun and partying days are over. Wait, 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 wait. There's a little bit more in that verse in Ephesians. Don't get drunk in wine, but get filled with the Spirit doing what? Singing spiritual songs. Don't sing, roll out the barrel. We'll have a barrel of laughs. Don't sing that. Sing, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. Sing, sing to the Lord. So can you see there's a parallel here? Don't get drunk with wine. And singing, roll out the barrel. Or whatever you've been singing. Whatever the twins were singing on Friday night. Not that they were drunk, but just singing, you know. Don't get drunk with wine. Don't sing those songs. But get filled with the Spirit instead of getting drunk. Get filled with the Spirit. And then you begin to sing and praise the Lord. And, and, and it's a parallel. A parallel. The new wine of the gospel. Take a bottle every morning. The new wine. Fresh wine. This is what the gospel is. And it's wonderful. And this was the first sign that Jesus did. So when revival touches our lives, again, I'm giving you examples of how the Holy Spirit can touch. I'm not dictating to you how you should respond to the Holy Spirit, but neither should you dictate to the Holy Spirit how he should fill you. Let's let him do what he wants, and let's just make sure that we're open. I mean, just, just so you know where I'm coming from. I remember going to the Toronto Blessing in, in the first year. I remember going there with Wyn Lewis's son, Gareth Lewis. We went together. And we still talk about it today. And we were there, and the Holy Spirit was... And people were drinking new wine every night and being filled with the Spirit. And all amazing things. People were weeping. People were crying. People were rolling. Oh, it was just the Holy Spirit. It was an incredible party of God every night. People getting saved, getting up, testified that they're healed, changed, that their bitterness had gone. God was doing just such a wonderful work at this 
banquet, this wedding banquet that was at the revival meetings there night after night. And I was, and I, I was open to it. I was hoping to get, you know, a real touch of the Holy Spirit. And I was, we were there for five nights. And first night, everybody got blessed and I didn't get a thing. Tyre was actually there as well. I didn't get a thing. Second night, I watched everybody else getting blessed. I didn't get a thing. I didn't get an experience of the Holy Spirit. At least it didn't feel like it. It wasn't, you know. Third night, nothing. I know. I was starting to get a bit worried. <laughs> Why is everybody getting rained on but me? Have I got an umbrella? of um- You begin to get like, what's happening? Why aren't, why aren't I getting it? What's, what am I blocking? What's going on? There's something wrong here. I'm worried about this. I'm concerned. And it was becoming an issue, which maybe it should. So fourth night, I've had enough of this, because the meeting started at seven and finished at three in the morning. Oh, there were great, amazing power. It was wonderful. And I was enjoying witnessing, but I wasn't, didn't seem to be partaking. So on the fourth night, I'd had enough. I was starting to get a little bit annoyed with God and worried about me. So uh, it was called the Toronto Airport Vineyard. So I thought I'd go and have a look at the airplanes landed. So I went out about one o'clock in the morning and started watching airplanes landing. And thought, well, uh, at least I've got to do some airplane spotting. <laughs> and then on the last night, when I got prayed for, and already, I'd already t- determined that, I was go- that when they prayed for me on the healing line, I was going to fall over. Because <laughs> these healing lines seem to be a mile long. And what would happen is they'd all get prayed for. And I'd hear thump, 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 thump. And then laughing, weeping, joy, praising. And then thump, 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 laughing, healing. And then I'd like... Everybody down for a mile. Everybody down for a mile. And me, conspicuous by standing. So I thought, I'm going to go down. I don't care. I'm just going to go down. So what? I'm not saying the Holy Spirit put me down. I just feel like falling. And then at least... I, Anyway, so they came to the prayer line. I decided that was going to do. And then, and then this, um, this minister, didn't know who I was, didn't know who they were, came up to me and he said, this is actually, this whole story is in, in, in my book. And he said, I, per- I perceive by the spirit that you're a minister, a full-time minister. I said, yes, that's right. And he said to me, he said to me, the Lord says this to you. The Lord, the Lord, I can't, can't remember the accent, so I'm trying. The Lord says this to you, that he loves you and your ministry is, is, is uh, what was the word? Your ministry is far, far less important to, to him than you are. It was something like, and it hit me like a hammer. I mean, I've got the exact, the sort of better words in the book. But it was like, the thing was, it was like, you know, God's not interested in your ministry. He's interested in you. Of course, he wants you to minister, but that is way, 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 way over there. It's you. And that hit me like a hammer that broke the rock. I'm still testifying about it all these years later. So I did get something. I did get something. The Holy Spirit filled me with his word and gave me a life-changing thing. It was worth going all the way over to Canada for that. It was worth it. I say that because as God pours out his new wine... Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to be anything that you're not, or do anything that that. You just have to be open to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, whatever you want to do, however you want to influence me, however you want to fill me, but I'm going to be open to it all. I'm going to be open to the wedding banquet, the feast, the new wine. Jesus just pours out more wine. He, he, the, the the bar is an open bar. 
It's a free bar, the bar of heaven. And you can rejoice in the Lord. You can receive from the Lord. You can open up and say, Holy Spirit, fill me. And you can just free yourself on the inside. And you don't have to dictate or determine how it happens. You can just drink, drink, drink. Keep on drinking. Keep on drinking the Holy Spirit. Keep on drinking his presence. Keep on like a sponge, letting the new wine of good news and his word just flow through your life. Because my words, Jesus says, are spirit they're not, and life. They're not just, it's not just information that's being preached to you. What's coming over you tonight is spirit. It's spirit. I'm the bartender tonight and I'm pulling the pints of God's glory and you're drinking. You're drinking. You're drinking those. You're drinking the words of the gospel. You're drinking the words. It's new wine. You're participating. This is how we drink. We drink. God's word brings spirit. God's word brings life. God's word brings joy. And God's spirit begins to fill you. And we say, Lord, fill us again. Change us. Unlock all the locked rooms in our lives. Unlock and release. But you see, this is the beautiful thing. Because as the Holy Spirit comes, it's the same Holy Spirit that was on Jesus in the temple. And so, the Jesus in the temple, think about Jesus in the temple. Think about how he went in there. Think about how he looked at the flesh. Think how he had looked at the disrespect to God. I mean, this was meant to be a house of prayer. I mean, if you were a Gentile, this is the only place you could go. You couldn't go into the other places where the Jews could go. So there was one house of God at that time. And if you were a Gentile interested in trying to find out about God, and you walked in on this festival, this Passover, and they're money changing, and they're selling things, and you looked at that, you'd think, what is this? What is this? And look at the zeal and the passion of Jesus. The same zeal and passion and generosity that he had on the wedding day where he bought hundreds of gallons of wine, far, far too much. Remember, Jesus didn't say they had to drink it all. He didn't make them drink it all. He just provided more than they could ever use. More than they could ever use. There is a, a super abundance. Somebody's tripped the, the wire at the back. And uh, devil doesn't like what I'm preaching. Wants to empty the church. So, um, there we go. Devil. The devil can leave. It's the fire alarm, devil. And God's people are being put on fire. Amen. 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 And... And so we want the joy, we want the blessing, we want to be full of the Spirit, we want joyful, happy Christians. Not, I'm not talking about just the emotional thing, I'm talking about the, the happiness that comes from God in the midst of whatever storm you're going through. That there's a joy that the world doesn't know and that the world can't take away. But also we want a passionate people, a people that, that, that hold the things of God with respect and honor precious pearls the sort of people that that when they heard about the the precious pearl they sold everything else to get it when they heard about the treasure in the field they sold everything they had to buy the field to get the treasure the a people of god that understand that everything that we receive was bought at such a great price that understand and respect the the, the power of the blood of jesus that live in grace, but understand who it was that paid the price for free grace. 
and paid it with his life. And understand the holy things of God and understand the importance of Christ's command to love one another and go into all the world. Understand that the freedom and liberty that Jesus has given us, he's come to give us a banquet. But at the same time, he's called us to be a holy temple. The power of a clean life. The power of a cleansed soul. The power of walking clean and talking clean and being clean in a dirty, unwholesome world. The power and liberty of holiness, separation, consecration, closer to the Lord every day, more like Him. Being transformed from glory to glory. Not allowing the, the uh, money changes to set up in our lives. Not allowing uh, the things of the world to get into our lives. But rejoicing in a good old-fashioned cleansing holy power. The power. The, the, the anointing uh, that comes upon us like when we think of Isaiah. And said, take the coal and touch my lips. And they took the coal. And burning, cleansing power of the Holy Spirit. You see, John said, I baptize you in water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. A fire baptized people. Baptized with fire that purifies your faith like gold being purified, the impurities rising to the top and being burnt off so that your heart gets softer and softer to the Lord and harder and harder on sin's attacks and the devil's attacks on your life. A burning zeal. Zeal for the house consumes you. Zeal, it says in my version, for your house has eaten you up. To be eaten up with the things of Lord. To be consumed. With the all-consuming fire. Don't we see this with the disciples and Paul? They were consumed. They had a zeal for holiness. And they weren't going to compromise with anybody. They weren't going to compromise with themselves. They weren't going to compromise with the devil. They weren't going to compromise with the backslidden church. They weren't going to do that. They were going to drive out sin in all its forms. They were declaring war. There was a spiritual violence. A spiritual violence. A burning, cleansing fire. Oh, glory to God. A burning, cleansing fire. Ah, God says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to, to enjoy and to have increasing levels of joy, increasing levels of the Holy Spirit unlocking our hearts, healing us on the inside, liberating, putting courage and boldness and freedom and liberty in our lives and dealing with fear, the powerful working of the Spirit on the inside. But he also wants us to have the passion that Jesus has. These aren't two separate Jesus, Jesuses. These aren't two separate ministries. He was there. He was the life and soul and savior of the party. And he loved the joy. And he loved people's company. He wasn't religious. In fact, he got told off all the time because he kept going to party, to be with people, to be amongst them. Because he was the most joyful. And the sinners loved him. 
They loved him because he was filled with joy and compassion and love. They loved him because he was bold in the things that he spoke to them. They loved them because they loved him because he loved the sinners, but he didn't love their sin and he'd come to rescue from them. They loved the sinners. He was the number one guest list guest on every on every sinner's list. Because he was filled with this joy. But at the same time, there was no compromise. He was zealous. He was zealous for his father. He was zealous for his mission. He was prepared to say what needed to be said. He was prepared for spiritual violence. This is what we should become. This is a picture of revival. We should, and it's not like one day, this marriage between the celebration and the holiness is together. It's together. Kensington Temple people to be the most joyful, filled with the Spirit, open to the Spirit people, and yet at the same time, I'm not afraid to say what needs to be said, love the Word, preach the Word, won't compromise the Word in their lives or anybody else. They're fire-filled, joy-filled Christians on a mission from God, but as they do the holy mission from God, they're going to be doing it laughing, singing, rejoicing, Let's stand to our feet together. Let's just receive a foretaste of the liberty in our lives and believe that God is going to touch us right where we are with the touch of his Holy Spirit. We're opening ourselves up to you, Lord. We're opening ourselves up to the cleanser of the temple and the savior of the feast. And Lord, we need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need you to come. And, and we're going to be singing soon, uh, David, O oh God of cleansing, burning flame. We need you, God, to come and cleanse us. We, Lord, we, we want to be delivered from sin. We want to be delivered from the misery of sin and bondage. We want to be delivered from the misery of this present evil world. We want the joy of the gospel to rise in our hearts and overcome depression, uh, feelings of failure. We want the grace of God. We want to drink of the grace of un undeserved mercy. Undeserved mercy and grace. Yes, Lord. We want to drink of undeserved mercy and grace and joy and liberty. We want a touch of the angels, Lord. We want a bit of their joy. Oh, God. There they are, the angels in heaven. They're spinning and dancing and worshipping, dancing and singing and dancing. Oh, they're in, they're in an unhindered environment. God, send your spirit on our lives. Oh, liberators, Lord. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Oh, let the glory fall. Yeah! Let the glory fall. Let the glory fall. Oh, send your spirit, Lord. And begin to do the things on the inside of us, deep in the inner man. Oh, we open ourselves. We open ourselves up to you, Father. 
We step out into the spirit. We embrace you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Oh, God, let the glory come. You said we'd be transformed from glory to glory. Oh, we break heaviness. 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 We break heaviness. Heaviness of spirit in the name of Jesus. We cast you out. Oh God, religion leave in the name of Jesus. We take authority in the heavenly realm over every work of the enemy. Oh, every work of the enemy. Every lying word in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We break your power. We break the anointing over our lives. We open up. We open our hearts, not with fear. And we say, Lord, visit your people with grace and joy and let the new wine be poured out. Let the glory fall, let the fire fall. Oh God, baptize your children with fire. Baptize them with the Holy Spirit. Oh, let the river flow. Like a river, a river of fire, a river of glory. Oh, we step into the river, Lord. We open our hearts. We open our mouths, we open our lives, oh God visit us, oh we pray Lord, revive us, oh God pour out, restore us, oh yes, restore, the spirit of restoration, the spirit of healing, oh God, we are betrothed to you, we're married to you, we celebrate you, liberty, liberty and freedom, Peace and joy. Oh, yeah. You're worthy of all praise. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory. King of kings and Lord of lords. Mighty Savior. Mighty Redeemer. Glory. We open ourselves. We shake ourselves. We shake ourselves. We shake off the dust of the world. We shake it off. We shake it off. We shake off the religion. We we shake off. We shake it off. We shake it off. We shake ourselves. Oh yeah, Lord, we pray that your glory would flow like a mighty river in every person's life. We're hungry. We're thirsty. We want to drink of you, Lord. The everlasting waters. The glory of God. Oh God. Let it flow like a river, like a river, like a river. Oh God, in these coming evenings, we pray that you will come as you did in the marriage feast with gallons of new wine to bring healing, freedom, liberation, the wine of the gospel that liberates your people. Oh, bring it, Lord, in these coming weeks, let there be great drafts of your spirit let us drink deeply of the spirit great encounters with your spirit let it come lord but also lord let the fire come let the awe of your majesty and your might bring us into new experiences of awesome holiness oh god create in us a new heart a pure heart zeal for your help give us a zealous a zealous love of who you are and your word. Do it, Lord. 
Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come forward right now. You can receive from the Lord right where you are, but you might need hands laying on you. You want to... You know, you can lay hands on people and they will receive a fresh touch of the Spirit during this time. You're welcome to come to the front. We'll pray for you right where you are and believe God that you drink the wine and the Spirit of God will bring the fire as the Lord leads. But what we're going to do now is we're going to press in this next 10 minutes and we're going to sing a song of joy and a song of fire. We're, we're going we're to sing that, that, that song written by um, William Booth. And William Booth, do you know who he was? The founder of the Salvation Army. And what was their motto? Blood and fire. I pray the blood of Jesus cleanses you today from every sin. It will, if you believe, cleanses you and prepares the way for a fresh infilling of the Spirit. Because where the blood is, the Spirit comes. Hallelujah. And I pray also, blood and fire, that the fire of God, as you proclaim this great song right now, in boldness and faith and spirit, will bring an encounter and a beginning of many encounters that we're going to share together on these evenings and at other times of the Holy Spirit. Oh.